Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast, now in association with the Songbird HQ. Go to the songbirdhq.com for all your musical needs, latest news, reviews and interviews with some of the best signed and unsigned bands. The Songbird HQ also deliver PR services for new talent coming through. Back for another episode of the Time for Heroes podcast this week, I've got Jack McLeod from the Raz. Uh, the Raz are a band from West Lovian. And East Lovian, East Lovian. East Lovian, sorry, I'm getting mixed up yeah, with yeah. nuts. East Lovian, <laughs> they're a band from East Lovian and they've been gone for about three or four years. Uh, we're just going to get through Jack's career and what's, what's coming up. So, yep. Um, just get back to the start, Jack. What, where did you grow up, and what was early life like for you? Uh, well, we're for a wee coastal town called Preston Pans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I don't know twenty twenty minutes, well half an hour with the roadworks uh, in Edinburgh. Um, I had a great great upbringing, mate. I loved it. We were a football daft. Um, the, we had the beach, so it was always skimming stains and doing whatever just to pass the time, climbing trees, whatever, man, whatever. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Good group right. of friends, and my mum and dad, I provided us amazing. My dad worked at Kokenzie uh, Power Station, um, my ma was a manager at Marks and Spencer's, so always fed well. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, my dad was always telling me to turn off the lights because he worked at the power station, so I. Nah, I loved it, man. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. And the the boys, the boys that are two, uh, two of the boys that are in the band, um, just now, I we grew up together. We went to literally the same nursery, same infant school, same right. primary school, That's high cool. school. So, Preston Pans, we are um, the boxers for. What you call? Yes, it? Josh Taylor. I. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Josh, a good pal of yours, like I, brilliant. Right. <laughs> He's obviously my pal. I work for Royal Mail, and my pal is Charlie Flynn. So obviously oh, aye, those, aye. Two, those two both come through the Commonwealth at the same time. They'll know each other very well, mate. Aye, aye, yeah. exactly. Aye, they were they, uh, aye, they were in the same Commonwealth Games. I mind it well, man. Yeah, I get a shout out when when uh, Charlie won his uh, medal at the end. He mentioned me in his interview on the BBC. So that's my that was my ah, claim brilliant. to fame before I became a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> so I we've uh, we've still to date we've still to date something with Josh. We've got to get him in one of our videos once, and he, right. he ended up tying up that he was away at camp, so it never kind of worked out. And he's always wanted us to uh, play for him, Ken, in the ring walk. So that would be amazing, man, if it was at Easter Road or Castle or something. Yeah, so it's always been spoke been about. about it's normally, aye, aye. It's normally spoken about over a, a couple of beers, so he'll probably mm. forget it in the morning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what was um, were, were you into music for an early age? Was that the plan, or obviously you mentioned <sighs> football as well? Was was there plans for football? Or... I mean, we, we, music, music was always, it was always there, but I never really took notice notice it until. My brother, when he hit like, I'd say when he hit 15, 16, um, he, he proper got into music, just like anybody does at that kind of age. They're looking for a wee, yeah. a wee break, break away from your uh, standard living and they're wanting a wee, aye. So it was, I, I'd say when he was 15, 16, he, but he, he did like bands that I like went on to like, like to The View, Libertines, stuff like that was my early attachments. They were they were my right. go tos. But he, I wait, try to think what years it would have been. To be honest, I'm terrible with stuff like that. Yeah, I can hardly remember what I done last weekend. Never mind. Yeah, that was the cuts that do that to you. <laughs> That's like uh, eighteen years ago or something. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, so I round about that time would have been, well, well, I so that would have been like. Libertines, either then our fans that are floating about, razor light pigeon detectives, 
Yeah. And like, so stuff like that, there was that yeah, indie scene was, going on. There was on. tons of it then as well, weren't there? It was brilliant, mate. Music was absolutely class. Franz Ferdinand, um, aye, just bands that like, they shone through, eh? Um, and it was probably the last bunch of bands that had like the CD sales, the proper, so everything was off massive budgets for bands that are probably yeah. a wee bit just above our level. And I was going to touch on that later, actually. That was one of my questions later on, kind of, was about the, the yep. state of the, the music industry now, because I listened to a podcast the other day with Liam Frost, and he was talking about CD yeah. sales and how it's everything's just, everything's Spotify now. So, kind of, that was Mad the last mate. time uh, a band could just, you could get signed and smash things with your album sales notes even even bands that never really I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head where the likes of Pigeon Detectives charted but they never really hit a peak uh, arenas or what but when you look back on it the, everything looked big budget they looked like they got big advances and like yeah. properly toured and stuff whereas bands now at that maybe that kind of level aren't they doing the same scale of what they, they they probably done back in the day. Yeah, and that, that leads into that. The, nowadays bands, it's like a setting job for them. Like you you're out working, aren't you as well? Aye. To fund that. Um every band I speak to now they've got a they've got a, a job that they're doing and this is kinda that's what funds the band. Um whereas back then Aye, exactly just, we, we yeah, we have to but, we have to go to our work to fund the band, whereas they they probably could have relied on maybe the doll just to see them through and then advances for their record labels or whatever. Eh? Yeah. So how you said obviously two of the band were um, local e as well. So how did how did that come about? How did the band begin, or was there so, other inclinations before that? Was there other? So I was. We were all about 15 at school. Don't ask me what year. That would have been third year or something, fourth year or something. Um, and there was five of us originally. And again, the five of us all went to the same school. We all grew up together. We're all best pals, playing the same football team. Every single one of us played in the same football team at one point, which is unbelievable. We saw Jason, who was the uh, rhythm guitarist, his dad, uh, older Jason, he's in bands like pub bands, wedding bands, whatever. Still to this day, um, and he was he's he's he was the drummer in the band Spike Island, who obviously we uh, Rosie's uh, influence there to uh-huh. their name, and they they played Rosie's tunes, Oasis songs, anything, mate. They played absolute anything, and we kind of right away we looked up to them. We were like, oh, maybe we should try that. So Jordan was phenomenal at guitar when he was like 12 he's like Hendrix when he was 12 mm-hmm. um, Neil picked up drums during music when he picked music for third and fourth year or whatever and they just kind of got chucked with the bass and I was like right well I'll give I'll give singing a bash I, right. I can't really mind like the exact moment or whatever I mean my head was frazzled back then so I can't mind like why it happened or whatever but that's what I can kind of remember fair that we looked up to older Jason and that and be like well hey, let's get a bash and I had just been to like my first set of gigs which were first gig was Pete Docker at the picture in Edinburgh mm-hmm. um, I think it was like two weeks after that went to see Oasis, Kasabian, Reverend and the Makers and the Enemy play at Murrayfield right. and then I went to I think this is all about the same time. Like I went to tea in the park for the first time with my brother, and that's kind of where the music just aye it hit yeah. home. That aye, this is what's happening, mate. When I seen Pete Dockery on stage with just him and acoustic guitar, I looked at him and just went, aye, I, that's that's what I'm I'm wanting about that. Like <laughs> yeah, the whole room, sure. the palm of his hand. I'm pretty sure I went to see him at the Barrowlands. It was probably the same tour, and there was um, seven years when. And I was the only one that they really bothered with me. You know I mean, I was like a big yeah. Libertines fan. I, it was me that says, right, we're gone. And then I never got in because uh, they found a wee bag of powder 
in my wallet. And it, it, was a, it was illegal. It was illegal ecstasy for Dean the Park for like six months before, and it was all crushed up in my pocket. So I never got in. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously they were like heavy duty. Uh, illegal. It was heavy duty for things like that for Pete Doherty. So I. So uh, brilliant. So I mean that's a good that's a good start. You know what I mean? Going to the gigs. Um, what was Tina Park like then for going for your first time? That must have been an eye opener as well. So that was ah uh, mate, unbelievable. So two thousand nine, I think. Um, Blur were headlining. Kings Leon were headlining our night, and I can't even mind. Can't even mind third headliner. But back then I was like hooked to the view. Like they mm-hmm. were the one for me. Me and my brother followed them everywhere. And it was uh, Jamie T, the Cortinas and the View. And the oh, was that one as well, aye? Aye. And can't mind the band that were on before, Kings of Leon, but they were pretty good as well. I can't mind, but I was like, again, everybody, my friend group basically just split in the middle. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother and a couple of boys went to see The View and that, and other boys went to see Kings of Leon. So I can always remember that being like, well debated like months and months before we had already set out every single day it was like yeah it's like christmas day you came with tina park was like me unbelievable and i mean when like literally witnessing all that i was just like i let's let's keep going with this band stuff so that's probably what gave me the boot up the arse to kind of like start writing my own stuff and i i mean since then it's literally been the same band so that's 2009 Right. So we were only called the Raz back then. We changed our name in like 2011 or something. Um, and that's when we started like properly gigging and taking it serious. And Jason, I absolute brand new guy, but it just lacked a wee bit of creativity and whatever and get up in the band. And we kind of said, listen, I wanted to play guitar. So I was like, there's no point in us having three guitarists. Sorry right. to break your heart. I can you were a founding member on that, but... We're going to go the next step because we're basically just any gigs that Jason's dad were playing, we were just jumping on. There were some gigs in like Dal Keith, just no far from us, a Black Bull, and it was like over 18, so we couldn't play. So there was like loads of things that were just like, oh, can I play that? They're not wanting us on that. And it was like, Kim, what, why? Why don't we start writing our own stuff and take us a wee bit more serious than just singing when uh, when the sun goes down or morning glory? You know what I mean? We yeah. want to take us a wee bit more serious. So that was kind of the first steps to becoming the Raz. So 2011, mate, that's, that's how it's, long this band's been going. It's a long time as well to have kind of the, the core of the group together, you know what I mean? I know, that's kind of unheard in You usually get mega line-up changes by then. I, d- I yeah. don't know if it's a, a, a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, we've been gone for so long, so you're like, how the fuck something not happened yet? But <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, I've got a wee question at the end that might help that out anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, like looking through your, your highlights, obviously, you're, you're saying then you kind of started taking it seriously 2011. So, what were you doing? Were you playing like local pub gigs and stuff like that? It was that's that's when we kind of took the step up and went onto the Edinburgh scene. So, we were all right. local just playing any gig like a pub in the pans playing the pub in the pans like three four weekends on the boons mm-hmm. getting a wee fall and it was all just our, our mates steaming eh, eh, up to the eyeballs and legals and <laughs> just <laughs> uh, aye that, that was kind of just all covers and whatever and then when we started writing our own stuff I can't really mind again the transition for how many songs like we, we had in the set that were our own or how many songs were they but I can remember we played a battle of the bands. I'm pretty sure this was you know, Jason's last gigs. And we played like two Irene songs and the rest was like covers. So it must have been like seven tunes or something. Right. And we won that battle of the bands. And I think that gave us a wee bit, aye, oh, look at us, that's class. And we ended up where we might get like a recording session and whatever. And the boy bumped his. But aye, that's another story. But aye, that's, that's, that was kind of transition into Edinburgh and then we started looking up to bands like you know, men, men bands like Stagger Rats, 1004s, OK Social Club yeah. um, so there was this scene that we love music scene um, and I went to a, a gig in the Liquid Rooms which was we love music 
I was underage, a fake ID straight in. Me and my brother are standing watching Channel 4's Modern Faces, the mix-ups. And I like all these bands. Mate, there's, there's, mate, there's another cracker. Oh, I can't it's tip my tongue, mate. But there's another cracker of a band. I think it was Pose Victorious. Aye, Pose Victorious. Right, aye. See, right. I've got all these songs on like an old iPod somewhere. <laughs> Wait, so that this was like that was now so my heroes were a bit more closer at home. Well, I like my father figures were a bit more closer at home. So obviously Pete was the initial and then it was just the local boys. But when I seen these boys ripping it up and everybody was just steaming loving it, man. The mix ups played the thing, they played a song called The Venal Shuffle. And it just cemented in me and my brother's head. It's just it's, they were quite like uh, like sixties inspired psych kind of poppy songs, but mate, it was just iconic. And all the all their boys, I think they were pre Fife or West Lovin or something, I don't know. But all their boys were just like huddled up, absolutely loving life, mate. <laughs> uh, kind of eyes in the back, their head, man. They were just loving it. Uh, and uh, that was the point where I was like, "Hi, right, let's jump into here. Let's 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 see what's happening here." So we started supporting the like say ten or fours started playing alongside on this wheel of music. They were like the promoters. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I, it was Jay Calder and his brother Lee, who I still speak to. I've got to see them at the house games quite a lot. Brand new boys, man. Absolutely brilliant. I think Lee was the manager of Pose Victoria. Yeah. Right. So there was this whole scene and we felt like proper apart. It was class. We were like the young team and all the older boys, like other boys for the OK Social Club and I was mate, we just looked up to them and any gig we would just say, I will play it, I will play it, I will play it. And we had quite a good following, like all our pals, just I what, sixteen year old, seventeen year old bammers and it was class. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely that I mean that's funny you mentioned the bands because I mean there was some of the bands at that time and as I say, I know them all. I had them on my iPod, but I didn't really I was me at Glasgow the Glasgow side of it, so Glasgow and the West Lowen, you had Apple Scruffs, High Five Alive, all these bands. I've been talking yep. to Johnny Skinner for the Apple Scruffs today. Um, about getting them on the podcast podcast because he's just started releasing new music on Facebook after about ten years. Aye, so aye. all these bands in. I mean, I spoke to Mark Sharp about it, and that's he grew up with the same. The same bands you're mentioning, that's who, that's, like that's say, probably what spurred his own. The, the Imagineers, the Imagineers, figure mm-hmm. five, the Daikinis even. See, they, <laughs> they made, so the Daikinis went to a decent level as well, eh? So, yeah. seeing people like that, and we were promised jetpacks as well, man. They shot up after, what was it, what was the, um, what was the series that Damon Frightened Rabbit got their record on? Because uh, they were through Fat Cat Records, it was the same, same guy that kind of done the promo or the right. uh, the music for the series. Mate, it's an American series, and mate, for there they just boomed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like to this day, we were promised jetpacks are probably bigger in America and Europe than they are in Britain. Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard of them, but I, I just assumed they were American because of the name. They're unbelievable. I I was over in uh, Vegas, LA, and Palm Springs just. I think it was for my 21st, was it? 21st, again, look at me with dates, terrible. <laughs> but um, when I was over there, uh, we were promised jetpacks, we were playing in LA, and we were in Palm Springs, me and uh, my wife Debs, and uh, I was like, oh, I really want to go see if we were promised jetpacks in LA, like that's iconic to do that, and go speak to like their merch guys yeah. and say, by the way, I'm Femra and whatever, it's amazing. So I was like, right, okay, we're hiding a car, we're leaving a day early. So we hired this VW Beetle mate, headed in the motorway straight to LA. Got a wee uh, hotel a night early and went and seen them in the. Uh, and it was like a, like a theatre, eh? And gigs are totally different over there. It was just strange, very strange, That's but well, amazing. Yeah. Surreal, man. It was proper surreal watching We Were Promised Jetpack. It's like an away day, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's class. brilliant, then, man. I mean, they, as I say, they bands that you've mentioned, every one of them was class. Uh, so, when did you start gonna? I've got done here twenty twenty for like your first release. Obviously, so, that's the first time I got on Spotify. So that that's that's just due to us wiping the slate clean. So mm-hmm. like, so for two thousand and 
11 to 2000 and I don't know, 15, I'd say, we were pretty much winging it. Like, just no got a clue about the music industry. We kind of had boys from Edinburgh who were uh, Lee Calder and We Love Music, their pals. Mm-hmm. They kind of took us under their wing a wee bit. But for some reason, it never really kicked off. It never, again, I can't really mind that that time. I can just mind turn up to gigs steaming and playing. I can't really mind <laughs> the background there, mate. I was just so interested in making folk dance and jump. And, mate, I was not interested in trying to organise or try to... I came up, I mean, somebody would say, oh, by the way, you're yeah. playing there. And we'd be like, right, perfect, we'll turn up and play. But for till about 2015... We were just literally, mate, anything, anything went. But then in 2016, um, we thought, right, we'll, we'll, we'll change it up a wee bit. We, we had released, like, EPs and whatever, just getting proper physical CDs, EPs, and I think we released two, 2012 and 2013. Right. Um, I think if it, time is now, actually. You'll, there's a... a a version of time version, two, 2013 EP, right. which is I'm mad. I've never, I mean, I've no listened to it in well, well over like 10 years, mate. So that'd be interesting to, uh, interesting to listen to. But I, for 2015 and the 16 period, that was when we were like, right, let's start afresh because I'd been working away for him. So there was, again, no as much commitment as it could be. So we mm-hmm. said, like, We'll take us a wee bit more serious. We got um, a keyboard player, Chris, who was in a band that were last minute glory. They were floating about the time they kind of broke up. So we got him in, put the keyboard into uh, into the the lineup, and then we were like, right, we'll book somewhere away from him. So we picked this place in Bradford, uh, Peak Studios, with Ronnie doing there, and we recorded Sweet Talker. That was the first song. So 2016 was the first recording that made it to the album. Right. So that so that is when you look back on it, that's pretty much when the album started. Right. The first so, album. I mean, it's a, really it's started quite a long time then, isn't it? I know, mate. Uh, it's mad. I mean, it was released what 20, 2021. 2021. Right. So May 2021. Obviously, COVID gubbed it for a year because mm-hmm. it was meant to come out in April. No, it was medical. I April twenty twenty, and it just I never had. Oh, was it May May twenty twenty? Because there was a period through March where we were about to pull the trigger on orders and whatever, and it just never, never happened. Or it was something to do with the, the recording or something. I can't mind, but I COVID absolutely gubbed it, so it delayed. So essentially, it would have been like a four year period where we would have hummed and hawed, and the lineup changed within that four year period as well. So there was. There was a lot of directional changing changes as well, but that's the, album, the, theme of the lineup change. Then did did the music evolve in any way as well? Aye, there was there was there was a lot of a lot of like 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 there is now with the, with the current lineup. There's a lot of opinions. There's five opinions, and they've all got to be heard. Otherwise, it's no it's no fair. It's yeah. no so. Andy, who was one of the original members on bass, he left in 2018, 19, something like that. So then Lee came in, who's still in the band, he plays bass. But he initially... Oh, so wait, wait there, wait there. So Chris left. This is honestly... So Chris left, who played the keyboard. Lee came in. And then Andy left, so Lee went on bass. Right. He's original, he's actually a bassist. And then that's when we brought now Jack Miller in. So that's the that's the lineup uh-huh. currently. So as as you can see, it's every time the lineup changes, the sound kind of evolves. So mm-hmm. there wasn't no, there wasn't no really a direction until I don't know, probably 2017 was when we recorded the time is now. So that is when I think we started aiming for a sound and like a power and an energy that we all kind of agreed on. But from that, there was still the lineup changes. So there was always we 
bumps in the road and whatever, which obviously staggered the, the progression as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the good thing about all this, see the, the first album, I think it tells the story yeah, in music terms. Because you've got the likes of Sweet Talker, which are quite poppy, so there was a lot of like DMAs and um, strokes and stuff that kind of can that interlink the indiness that comes out. But then you've got all the way to uh, She's Not, which is like the latter stages, which we were all probably like the palette changed. We were listening to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and right. Queens of the Stone Age and stuff. So you can see the dynamic and you can see the the variation and, and change and it we evolved with age as well. And I think it, it's brilliant that we can listen to the record and ah, it takes me on a pure journey of time, mate. Well, obviously, like we you saying, he's, there's a lot of things scrapped, obviously, like the releases we've got on Spotify, there's maybe like two or three singles and then the album, um, which is quite different because like, a lot of bands now don't, they don't even release albums. Um, there's a lot of bands just do series of EPs and then maybe combine it an album. So um, you actually bringing out an album, is that a conscious thing? Because I prefer albums, I prefer the, the proper book, you know what I mean? So was that, were you conscious of doing that? Um, I'm an album guy, yeah. Um, start to finish on an album, I'll really go on my phone and I'll pick a song to listen to the song, but I never put on an artist and click shuffle. I never, ever do that. It's just, I, I didn't really see the point. I didn't feel like that's how music, that's that's the digitalness in music. That's where you lose. Yeah. So I, th- I think a lot of songs are underappreciated because they get listened to out of sync. If you listen to, so a good example of this was me with Kings of Leon. I didn't like the Kings of Leon because he sex on fire and used somebody. Mm-hmm. And I refused to kind of, I was just like, ah, it's, so fast. it's all noise, man. Just get them, get them away, man. They're cheesy, like whatever. I was hard, like, Aye, Colours to the Mast with the View, the Libertines, Ken, bands that had a bit of rawness and grit. Mm-hmm. And obviously, me, no knowing that the Kings of Leon had that at the start because I was just so set on these two songs that oh, they've sold themselves and I hadn't even listened to the first albums. So, yeah. I don't know, about, I'd say when I was about 21 or something, that's when I started to probably appreciate the Kings of Leon. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a wee think, bit earlier than I that. I think but... most people knew are the same about Kings of Leon. It's like there was just a point that they got to where they just kind of everything aye. went corporate. But I did a smashing aye. band. The first, the first couple of albums were amazing. And I can kind of see, I, I understand why they went to this, if you want to call it corporate terms. That's I can kind of understand because you can only be immature and scruffy and whatever for so long you become a dad you, yeah. you've got like my hair used to be didn't hear like there's a perfect example <laughs> right so there's there's the all these wee things in your life that change and that changes your taste changes your look changes your style and i so when you listen to music a, a back catalog and music of a band it tells you a story it lays out the factors of where, where they're where they've been and what stages they've been at Mm. So, obviously, we'll touch on the time. The time is now. Obviously, it starts off with kind of spoken word, which I kind of it, it reminds me of like train spotting or something like that. And obviously, you've been like big Hibs fans and everything else, you know that. Uh, what was the thinking behind that? Because it's, it's a it's a right good opener. I initially I was wanting like. But I think of the speeches. I used to kind of spot his name, William someone. And there's like, it's just the, the iconic kind of telephonic American speech, but mm-hmm. it's almost like the guy announcing that they've got to land on the moon. Can that kind of vibe? So I was like wanting that. And it's just like pretty much the entrance. And it, again, he's a, a good vibe and whatever. And James, our producer back then, Mad Irishman, like love him with bits, was just a maniac. But we, I, such a father figure to all us back then. He was like, 
fuck that. You're fucking, <laughs> you're fucking speaking it. And I was like, nah, like that's a bit, that's a bit shit, yeah. Like, listen to my accent. It's that I can, if I have to hear it, I'd, I wouldn't like it. I'd, there's, there is a bit of Scottish when I sing, but there's not as much Scottish as like say Jerry Cinnamon or whatever. Yeah. So I, I hate hearing my, my original accent. Like, I, would, I, I didn't think I'd come to the terms to like it. So I said, right, come up, we'll roll with it. I'm probably fishbowl here. You're thinking bigger pictures. You're what to fucking reanimate. I'll take your word for it, right? Mm-hmm. So we uh, we recorded it. I was like, I'm not going to lie. I'm only going to like this if we did the rest of the session with it muted. Because I can't fucking bear it. You've played it like two or three times to record like the guitar intro. I'm fucking, I hate it. So... <laughs> Yeah. I'll park it now and I'll, I might come to terms with it I, mean, I never never heard it again until it was gone to mastering and yeah. then it was kind of it was kind of like oh, fuck it's too late to change it we'll just roll with it and I I came I came around to liking it let's see I came around to liking it so so, so how does that go then obviously if you're saying you came around to liking it because obviously when you play it live then you need to you need to do that so you self conscious when you're when you're speaking it live for the first couple of times, definitely, I definitely. When we done the album tour, and when, so I, I never used to do it. I never used to, never used to do it. Like even playing it live, for uh, 2017 to like the album. I think I can't. I didn't think of it anyway. But then on the album tour, we had to make it, make it something. So I was like, right. Maybe I'll get you any cool mics that fucking Americans can yeah, they, yeah. like the. The pots uh, boys, the boxing it, uh, announcer boy came came up yeah, with one of them, and then <laughs> I was like, nah, fuck that. So I was like, I got a megaphone, I got a megaphone now. I'm trying to do it, and I was like, ah, yeah, fuck it, try that. So that was when it became a hang, and I felt more comfortable doing it through a megaphone, and I right. did just speaking it. So um, we've done it since. I've ditched the megaphone, and I I I I, I do like it, but. It's not my favourite bit to say it, put it that way, but I, I do like it. I can see why people like it. But it, it definitely I, draws people in, I would think. That's, I, think I think that's that's why I, I've came to terms that it is a good thing. But it, it, it gets gets the attention and good delivery and it, it, you, everybody should buzz off it. So I'm happy to continue it. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, oi, you wonderful people out there. You're listening to the Time for Heroes podcast in association with the Songbird HQ. Bosh, get all over it. Another one I wanted to talk about is uh, She's Not. Um, you mentioned that earlier, and you kind of mentioned like Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and stuff like that. The, the vibe I got for it was me on Happy Mondays. It's got a kind of... Same tits eat the start. Aye. That's so right. the the um what, what gig was it? Oh, it was a it was acoustic gig. Actually, it was a state of mind. You're kidding? A state of mind, boys. Mm-hmm. The um sorry to mention somebody else when I'm on your podcast. But... No, no, I that's all right. <laughs> I've mentioned um, them before. We done a we done a session. Mm-hmm. Um, in their HQ up at Dalkeith, brilliant, brilliant wee place. I boys are absolutely spot on, and we included Kinky Afro in a wee montage of Kinky Afro, and she's not man. It was, I love it. Right. It's the same, same kind of pattern, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I fit brilliantly, and I mean, we, we got interviewed by an American boy, and he, he was like, "Ah, the songs are quite similar in their meaning and that." It's like, ah, fair enough. Aye. Aye. So, I, I don't know if it's like a subconscious thing that happens. It's been mm-hmm. a few times where we've uh, been writing tunes and we're like, fuck, that sounds a lot like whatever. Aye. And you, you, you didn't really think about it. You're just, you're just going with it. You're not going out to copy a song. You're just going with it and you're going with a melody or whatever. There's... On this uh, new record, I'll not say the names of the songs because I might get fucking sued, but <laughs> um, there's a few songs that uh, Lee will let, uh, well, Lee let his dad listen to them and it instantly came back like a melody 
in a band for the 90s, I think it is. And it's like, it's then the nose, it's the same. And then it kind of it fades off a wee bit. But I don't mind that. I do because as, as I say, I think it's like subconscious. I think I listened, I, well, I used to listen to a lot of radio. And so I used to get a big, vast, yeah. uh, big, vast uh, array of music. So there, there's always got to be that. Yeah, you're, if you don't sound like the people that you like, then you're not doing the right thing. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. And this is, I mean, looking like doing my research on you, um, there's a lot of people have labelled you like uh, for fans of Kasabi and Primal Scream, and another one that comes up is Sound of Guns, which is aye, aye. one of my all-time favourite bands. For for seeing them supporting the view, um, they two albums again they were class, and then they just kind of they just went like aye. they're a band that should still be going to know what a band they were. Agreed. They're like they're like you too. Eh? They had that powerful, like mm. timeless rock. It was kind of like yeah, it was it was powerful. It was amazing, man. Um, that sometimes is just. Now that is a tune, eh? we always well back in the day, we always used to play that uh, house parties and whatever, and it was probably for the same same gigs, man. The View when they supported the View, yeah. I'm sure I, I've I think I've seen the View three or four times on that tour, and uh, and Keir Tall, it is a Keir Tall and Dundee. I we went up to that, uh-huh. and uh, he was on the balcony. The boy, he was like kind of yeah. the speaker was on the balcony, and he was a fucking riot at that boy, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've still watched the videos. There's a video in them, and I think it's in Dundee they're playing, and the guitarist is playing the guitar. He's on somebody's shoulders, uh, playing the guitar. Yeah. They were just wild, man. Aye. Absolute wild. Yeah. Looking at the bands you support it, The View, Chris Hell, Fratelli's, Trampoline, obviously, Jamie Webster, The Skinner Brothers. Again, as I said to you at the start, I don't know how. You support all the bands. I've only just seen you in a couple of weeks. I mean, like, uh, it's strange that eh? bands to be supporting. I mean, we've supported the Rifles, supported the Complete Noses, supported, well, we've been the same bill as some fucking brilliant bands, festivals and that as well, man. Um, the one thing we've no done, and we've always, always, every single year, every other month, we'll try. Is just get on tour with a band, like a good, good level. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I think I something like that could just make or break the band because supporting on a tour or supporting a band that are on a tour that is pretty much sold out is just it's it's easy. Eh? It's like yeah. really really easy. The only the only thing that I found quite difficult was Jamie Webster. I found that quite difficult. Right. Cool. Reason reason being was obviously they are their fans are just there to see Jamie Webster and fucking annihilate the Tories. Mm. I didn't I'm the one to like the Tories. I fucking despise the Tories as well. But <laughs> see when you're trying to think about yeah, that chance just gonna and it's just fucking constantly <laughs> fucking Tories. I was I I was kind of at my wits end with the chant, but fair play, it's what they pay their money for, so you can't really can't really fucking uh, grumble at it. They're, they're there to see Jamie, so aye, fair enough. I wonder how that worked. Obviously, I've no spoke to Mark Sharp for, for a while, but obviously he, he just went on tour with Lewis Capaldi, took them on tour all Europe, so it must be the same sort of thing for them because obviously Capaldi's fan base is probably nothing like Mark Sharp. Aye. So aye, that's very true. I haven't been over there's... a different audience. Aye, I I think as well, what I've found my experiences, if you're supporting a band that are very similar or that I they definitely cross over your two genres or sounds or whatever, um, it's it's easy and you get a lot of good feedback. But obviously if you're good, you get a lot mm. of good feedback, you get a lot of new fans and Mate, it's instant. You see people at your next gig in that city that seen you. So we supported Skylights or whatever, doing in Leeds. And then if we we're playing down there or playing in that area, 
instantly you see people like, ah, oh, we saw you support Skylights. It's so, yeah. that's, it's the, like, amazing to get fans and get a following. The problem is, a lot is through booking agencies or in-house, so if people are on the same management or record, uh, record company, then it's all sorted that way. Uh-huh. Um, so it's as hard to get to that. Right. Because obviously, I mean, seeing you at trampoline, um, I felt as if you had to put a, a bit of work in at the start. It's, it seemed kind of the banter wasn't there at the start. Like you, you were you were doing a lot of talking and you weren't getting much back for the audience the first couple of aye, songs. But aye. but you, you, you stuck at it and by the end you had everything in the palm of your hands. Uh, it, it, it does it does take a wee bit of work. That's why sometimes, like say, what you mentioned, the time is now. So coming out to the time is now is quite an eye-opener and kind of gets people like, fucking hell, these boys mean business. So with stuff like that, that can... It, it, honestly, it depends on the sequence of your songs and how you perform them. If you're leaving your best to last, then it's not going to work, really. You need yeah. to make sure that you're at your fucking best constantly because people will drop away and they'll be like, right, we'll just go for a smoke, they're not up too much. And then they'll miss your last fucking couple of songs. So so yeah. I, you need to be you need to hit right for the start. We at that so at that uh, gig, sorry, we uh, opened with our it's probably got to be our opener for our next album. It was quite risky. But mm-hmm. because we believe that the song is that strong, um it, it makes us perform. If we believe in the songs, they're so easy to perform. The energy naturally comes out. You're no force in it. It's just all natural. So, aye, it definitely you need to, as you say, stick at it. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it, those I hadn't seen you before, I, I, I can't, I felt really bad. I was I was in the front at the side and I, I felt really bad because I'd never heard these before, so I, didn't, I couldn't sing along and... Um, Go mental because I, I didn't know what was going mental at Even the, the appreciation of a wee, a wee shoulder, like just to get a, a bit of feedback. <laughs> it's not about singing, it's not about whatever. If people applaud your song and aye, a, a wee bit of movement or whatever, tapping their foot, you we notice this on stage like 100% and you right. can judge the room quite, quite quickly. Yeah. Obviously, you, you, another thing you touched on was like kind of booking agents and get, getting up with the right management and stuff like that. You done a this feeling tour, so how does that come about with this feeling? Because obviously they champion tons of bands like they, yeah. they're the best gigs to get on. It seems to be at the minute. So back in the day, we we played this feeling gigs. They were kind of like. The, the promoter that came in for the South and just put on the, the big, like, not the big shows, but the kind of, they got all the best bands and, like, the click of your fingers. So there was always this pool with this feeling. We mm-hmm. played gigs, gigs at, like, say, I think they, they played a lot of gigs at Voodoo Rooms and, um, was it GRV they done as well? But anyway, there was, like, two venues in Edinburgh and then you would... If you'd done well with this film with ticket sales and whatever, then you could slide in other places. So right. we would then go through to Glasgow. Uh, we'd go through to, I don't know, we'd maybe go up to, they used to do Dundee and stuff. <clears throat> and then I'm pretty sure we played London a couple of times and then they got kind of the wind, oh, you're, you're playing mm-hmm. London, whatever. And they put us on big in 2020. Right. Um, that was in Glasgow, and it was where the, the Lutras, um, fuck, can't remember the other couple of bands, but they're the, they're the band that I remember that were really, really good that night. So it was us, Lutras, and I think it was two other bands, Broadcast, but it, it was the old setup, so it was fucking Stouds full, stage uh-huh. with the in the bottom. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so that was like our initial, right? We'd done really well that night. Our album came out, and Mate, we were Mikey Jones, the main boy for this film, straight on the phone to us. We sent uh, the album to him and we were like, have a blast at this. And mate, it was straight on the phone. I mind I was working in uh, Coat Bridge in a school in Coat Bridge. 
mate, it was on the phone for fucking about an hour and a half, and I'm trying, I'm trying to graft, and he's like, fucking hell, mate, that's the best fucking, that's the best fucking record of ever. Again, like you know, all his, all his, and his Cockney fucking accent, he's an absolute hero, mate. Um, so for there, it just kind of clicked. Um, and our now manager, Sam Shiner, she is quite acquainted with this feeling as well. She's, I, she does DJing and booking and whatever for them. Um, so for there, we done what was meant to be the album to, which was organised for April 2020 mm-hmm. so fucking pushed all the way to was it April? no was it June? I think it was June 21 I think I'm right here maybe <laughs> end of May <laughs> June 21 which was Glasgow Liverpool Manchester, London, and yeah, then yeah. back to Edinburgh. Yeah. So I mean that that's oh, a, actually, yeah. actually, actually, wait there. It was the next day again. It was twenty twenty two. Was that fucking hell? I think it was twenty twenty two that I when I, I I was checking through all your your stuff or your Facebook, looking at all your posts. I'm pretty sure it was twenty twenty two. Fuck. Totally baffled, but anyway, we done a sold out of like a, a five, a five date. Uh, it's all dates, everything's fucking dates, <laughs> and I'm shite at remembering now. Uh, we done a five date tour, and every single gig, there was two, three sold out prior, and the other two, which were Newcastle and Newcastle, was definitely Newcastle and someone else. <laughs> Was it London or Manchester? They sold it on the night. Right. So we done a full fucking five day tour, sold it, which was right. That's like fucking. I actually we done a three day tour prior to this, prior to the was it prior to the album or just before the album or something, something like that. And then we have done that, and it just so we sold it the three, and then we sold it the. The five, so every single gig we done with this feeling for like a fucking a year stunt, so do. And this was like during COVID as well. So one got bounced, the other, the other, and kind of was set in place. And then we were we were set up to do Why Not Festival, and Isley White with this feeling. Uh-huh. They both got fucking cancelled and bounced, and we got them both the next twenty twenty. Fuck, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Aye, well, COVID, last year. COVID was a total bastard, wasn't it, for this? Oh, mate. Just... Like, Isle of Wight was last year, surely. Was that? Let's just double check, man. I think it was. See, yeah. 22 was a fuck. It was manic because everything was crammed in, eh? Everything was literally crammed yeah. in that everybody had missed. It was all fucking on a one Right, 2022, man. So last year we played Why Not Festival, Isle of Wight, with this feeling, which is right. fucking outstanding, man. So see at the Isle of Wight Festival, if they get their own stage, sort of. Right, so they had they had their own stage at both where uh, Scots Men's were. Right, because obviously Scots, they they the suit with new clobber and that man. It was fucking brilliant. Right, so do, do you get free clobber after my? Aye, aye. So we, we, we got free clobber. Um, I think we've had it four times now, man. It's been pretty good. Right. Well, they're another reason to stick in with them, isn't it? Um, obviously, the mob that I work for, Songbird, the, the podcast is out under Songbird. They've got a stage at Isle of Wight as well. Um, uh, it's so fucking, you know, honestly, mate, what a vibe, man. The island's just jumping. It's fucking carnage, mate. Like, <laughs> mental. We were trying to, so we got announced quite late. And we're trying to organise ferries and that. So I I went down with my wife and uh, well, it was she was two. I took the took the bear and doing, uh, right. we stayed in Cotswolds on the way down, then went over and then bath on the way back just to kind of split up the fucking journey. But mate, see, try organise ferries because we got announced so late. There was just nothing, nothing yeah. left. So the boys, I think the boys. So we played on a Sunday night. I mean, the boys left. I managed to get a, a lucky ferry at like 
12 o'clock on the Monday. The boys left at 7 a.m. on the Monday. <laughs> they went up the road in the van van at 7 a.m. They were fucking playing on stage at 9 o'clock. Jeez, oh. Honestly, I was like, you should not be driving me. <laughs> but I Some life, though, isn't it? Oh, mate, it's so, like, up and down, up and down, up and down. You're just, it's fucking, it's a roller coaster ride, mate. But we literally love it, mate. We absolutely love it. So until we stop enjoying it, we promised ourselves, we're just going to keep going, man. We're just going to keep going. And I can assure you, we're not in it for money because, fuck me, it's everything's <laughs> so expensive. <laughs> it's, it's, we, we make absolutely fuck all, man. But as you say, it's it's a connection with the fans and eventually you will kind of, you will make something of it someday. You would think that's the plan anyway, isn't it? The memories are good enough, mate. They're, okay, what, I mean? They're, what else would I be doing? <laughs> well, touching on that as well, just before we go into your heroes and stuff like that, um, you've featured in a, a couple of TV stuff. So, yeah, one of your songs was used for the trailer for Kick Out the Jams. Yes, I have got invited into that. Scott sorted us out for that as well. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, you've appeared on the terrace, which, as I was saying uh, about this new podcast I'm going to do, like replacing Soccer AM, I forgot about the terrace, because that's kind of like the, the Scottish Scotch Soccer AM, isn't it? Because they, they always put a band on every week. Aye, so they used to do it. Uh, like live, they used to have somebody fucking whatever go out and film whoever playing the tune, or they used to bring them to the studios at Keyside or whatever. And um, I play and a lot of bands, yeah, there's been a lot of good versions of tunes. Um, the Partick Fissile one's an absolute raker, I but there's a few good versions of tunes, so I, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that, but I our tune, our tune can go. Uh, just at the, the end credits, I uh, um, mate, it's wild because now you mentioned what we're featured on. So, obviously, you got a royalties report, right? Tunes for PRS, and we've got like a, a, a publishing company who basically just it, it's in their interest to push their your tunes out to any opportunity that could suit. And mate, BT Sport were using our tune on motorsport, um, <laughs> MotoGP, and it's been on the darts, it's been on football, it's been on golf, it's been on all Sky Sports and like I I I ITV have used it on X Factor and you're like, what the fuck, when when's all this happening? Like yes, I mean nod, but literally as soon as your song's in the pot, uh-huh. they, they can use it as long as they pay as long as they pay you for it. So yeah, it's good. It's it's interesting well, that's, to see. Like, Sky Sports used your one of your songs after the Edinburgh Derby, so that must have been a highlight as well, eh? Uh, how does, I can't, how can't does that get done with the band? I don't what the, the result was. Like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what the result was because you, you had a bad <laughs> time out against Hearts for a while, didn't you? Up until the other uh, week. Yep, uh, yep, what's exactly. the, what's uh, that like with the rest of the band? What are they? Are they all? Are these all well, there's, there's, there's three of us heavies. One of them's a Rangers fan. One of them doesn't really care, but he, uh, he'll just stir the pot. Whoever Hibs are playing, he'll just go the opposite. Right. Um, but ah, me, opportunities like that, like I, I played, I played on the pitch at Easter Road, um, last derby. So that's what the start of the year there. I right. I played on played on the pitch, just played a Hibs tune, and uh, I got winded and dined and paid for it. So I'm like, why would I know do that? That's like an incredible, incredible opportunity to go on before a Hibs Hearts game. Yeah. yeah, I was standing at standing in the tunnel with Ken Buchanan, God rest his soul, mate. He was presenting the match ball and I'm going to sing a song. Mate, just unbelievable. And see, to be honest, music and football go hand in hand, but they've got such a such a collision as well, where yeah. so a lot of people are bitter, eh? And they'll know, listen to the likes of Proclaimers. Many Hearts fans listen to Proclaimers, really, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think... Everybody needs to kind of accept that fucking hell, musicians have got personal like affiliations and that as well, eh? So, yeah, like well, Sam Fender, Fender, Fender and whatever, it's fucking, yeah. I mean, the funny thing with obviously doing my research on this for my other podcast, 
there doesn't seem to be you get a lot of Celtic fans, Celtic like musicians, and obviously I know four or five at least Hibs. I know yourself, Retro Video Club, um, yep. Jamie Pollock, who I don't he's a Hibs fan, obviously. I, I, don't hear much Hearts or Rangers. The only Rangers one I can think is Callum Beatty and Biffy Clyro. And then you're going back I, to then you're going back to wet, wet, wet. But I don't even know uh-huh. any Hearts fans. Uh, so, so fright, frightened rabbit, frightened uh, Scott for frightened rabbit again. God rest him. He's a uh, his dad was a big Hearts fan, so he was always he, right. he never really had a bigger like attachment to Hearts, but he would always say he supported Hearts, and he he had done a version of the Heart song, which right. I minus the lyrics, it's a fucking brilliant rendition, mate. I. So, as, so we'll, we'll no say too much more about it because we'll keep this for this other podcast. Aye, good, um, all good. So, just before we go into your heroes, what have you got coming up um, the rest of the year? Uh, we've got a big one in uh, Dunfermline next month, uh, 13th. Again, dates are my... 13th for me. PJ Malloy's. It's PJ Malloy's. I fucking love that venue. It's so good, man. Just got a good vibe and it's a good... There's always a good gathering, mate. So see, even if your ticket sales are quite low, you're guaranteed to pretty much get double because it's just a wee hub. Mm-hmm. And especially if Dunfermline are playing. We played uh, We played there when it was Dunfermline Falkirk and, mate, the place was rammed. And I uh, So hopefully a lot of the people are coming back to see us because eh, it was a great night. So that's coming up. Um, the Godney Gathering, I think, after that, which is just outside Glastonbury. Um, a wee festival. Zootons are playing, Sherlock's are playing. So, aye, that should be class, mate. Um, and then we're going back into the studio. We've got the last session to finish this album. And then hopefully there'll be a couple of singles out by the end of the year. Right. And we'll hit probably, realistically, just with mate, it's more funds than anything else. We're gonna be in the next year with this album. Um but hopefully there'll be aye, a couple of single campaigns and whatever before the turn of the year and then maybe early next year for the second album. Um which is probably the main the main priority. We've got um a couple of dates to the Sherlocks who I have played with them a couple of times over the years actually are brilliant lads. So yeah, that's October time, isn't it? Aye, aye, October, mid-October. October, uh, is it mid-October? Uh, October. Aye, October. Um, we support them in Glasgow and Newcastle. Uh, so cool. aye, aye, fucking really looking forward to that. Um, not seen the lads in quite a while. We, we actually played with them in Glasgow when they first came up. <laughs> Pivo, Pivo. Um, 2013. And... There was an age curfew. Um, they were maybe headlining, and then the boy found out that they weren't eighteen. So we got the headline slot. <laughs> <laughs> so I they supported us once. <laughs> uh, yeah. aye, that was actually the night that I met my wife. Aye, so aye, good. Oh, that's brilliant, man. So that's really good. obviously the podcast got time for heroes. At the end of the podcast I like to ask my guests to pick four heroes to come for dinner um, dead or alive whatever world they come for they can be musicians, sports people whatever, family uh, so four heroes to come for dinner and what would you cook them? Uh, how do we think about this I didn't think too much, I like to kind of be uh, off the cuff, I guess one of them, do you say dead or alive eh? so I would definitely say John Lennon He'd be first at the table. He can have a fucking top seat, to be honest. Um, as soon as I got on the Beatles, that was fucking. I that was a, a proper, a proper attachment. Obsessed for ages. Um, didn't I listen to them as often as I did, but still, still pretty fucking weekly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I he he's he's definitely top of the table. He's the, he can be the chief. He can be the one that says grace. Right. <laughs> um, a good sec- second, uh, I, I guess I'll go like three musicians that are probably, uh, probably all the, like, the iconic ones. 
for me anyway. So I'll go Pete Dockery. Pete Dockery, just for it. I think it might be the first time he's been on picked as a right. hero. Other, I think, there's there's I one th- guy picked off for Libertines, actually, but, <laughs> but other than that. that, he's never been picked. Um, reasons because he was probably the one that initially made me. I mean, it could have been fucking the next again gig, but he was the first one that I laid eyes upon on the stage, being like, fucking hell, he's wrecked, but he's doing a fucking great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm wanting a bit of that, so, and what a fucking bunch of stories he'll have. Um, and he can scram like fuck, as you've seen in recent terms. So, yeah. He's, I, see the, the last couple of times I've seen him, I, I must have forgot how big he was, like, how like, tall. He's, he's massive. Aye, aye. Aye. And um, aye, aye, yes. this is pretty fun as well. Aye, so maybe a couple of plate pieces for him, but uh, <laughs> aye, we'll go Pete Dockery number two. Um, third one, I'll pick. Pick another musician, I think. I'll go Bowie, just because he's fucking interesting, and my cat's called Bowie, so um, right. why, why not? Um, it'll not be the cat that's sitting at the table it'll be David Bowie um, so aye Bowie <laughs> number three number four uh, I'm probably I'm going to go for stories somebody with like loads of stories rather than like your cliche iconic people like you could go fucking Martin Luther King or something but I'll maybe go I'll go a wee football link here as well. I'm gonna go Georgie Best. Brilliant. Just so we can we can all get swally together and I have a crack. And obviously was at Hibs, so talk about his Hibs days. Um Hi, fuck it, why not? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. George Best and John Lennon together. Uh, there you go. Imagine think about that piss up. Yeah. <laughs> and Pete there as well, because Pete likes his talk about the football as well. Ah, exactly. He's into exactly. that era of football. Uh, and that this one, obviously, the, the next question that I'm going to ask, I've never asked anybody before. Well, wait there, what was, what was I going to cook for them as well? So, oh, aye, what are you going to cook um, for them? This is basically see how good I cook, yeah? Well, I've got a pizza oven at the back, so I could cook them pizza, but my speciality and for a, a, a dinner table is fajitas, so let's go fajitas. Everybody, hands-on, fucking scran mm-hmm. away. Tortilla chips a lot, man. Has all the hot sauces under the sun, and I will have a fucking a great time. Nice Mexican beers as well. Set the fucking set the night off, and then tequila to finish with, and we'll be blazing. That sounds wild, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I so I'm going to trial this question, and it, it could go one or two ways. You could end up the band could be split up be by the time this podcast comes out. <laughs> um, if you had to replace one of your band members. Who would it? Who would it be, and who would you replace him with? I'm not sure what I thought of this question initially. Again, I didn't think too much of it because if I was going on music terms, and the band would probably be defunct within a couple of fucking days. So, um, I'm I'm just got to go for uh, nothing too close to the bone. I'm going to say Jordan, right? Who is the main riff maker. He's like the fucking spine of the songwriting musically. He it'd be really, really hard to function as a band of fool. I didn't think uh-huh. it would function. So that's why I would because the question's so fucking bizarre, I was gonna go with a fucking <laughs> bizarre answer. So I will go with him, right? And then it'll be like, right, we'll see where this can go. And I'll replace him with Squire. Right. And, well, aye. I mean, we'd put, Ken, what would we turn into? We would turn into the seahorses, fucking so make two. That's literally what we'd turn into. But I'm into the seahorses, so I can deal with that. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think Jordan will be once he hears this? Will he be happy to um, be replaced with somebody like that? Jordan will probably listen to it and he'll laugh. Um <laughs> I'll not take it to heart because the okay, I'm doing it as is probably one that would be less likely to 
replace. <laughs> so, but, aye, I've went, I've went quite safe. I'm sitting on the fence here, as you can tell. Like, I'll get him on in a couple of months. Um, I'll get Jordan on, <laughs> and we'll see what he's like. Ah, no, all good, all good. Um, aye, so that's us, man. That's us. Um, Classmates, gave me plenty of time there. Just before you go, obviously, for the listeners, if you want to let them know where they can get a hold of you, just your aye, so and stuff. We're on all the, all, uh, all the usual streaming platforms, the Raz, R-A-H, apostrophe S. Then he asked me why the apostrophe's there. That's just, it just fucking is. Um, that's how you spell our name. The Raz Music on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube. And I album number two is coming in. So please, I jump on board because this shit's got the fucking top. Brilliant. Pleasure having you in. Yeah. Top Thank man. I appreciate it, pal. Thank you. Cool. You're listening to the Time for Heroes podcast in association with the Songbird. Check it out. Martin, you're an absolute legend. What are you? An absolute legend. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast. Or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can. Share with others and more importantly, enjoy.